0: Top of the morning to you guys. We are back with How Fitness Changed My Life, episode number two. And in today's episode, we sit down with Stuart Brower and truly find out how fitness has changed his entire life. In today's episode, we explore several different stories of how fitness really, really did change Stu's life, from moving him to Nashville, Tennessee, and then further on to Charlotte, North Carolina, to how he found his his current wife and to how he started a consulting business that is really taking up most of his time nowadays. So sit back, relax, you know, pour yourself some coffee or open up a bang or or something like that. You know, you need some caffeine. It's the morning probably. And just enjoy episode two. So without further ado, we're gonna get into things. This is episode two of How Fitness Changed My Life with Stuart Brower. Thing. So here we are back for episode two of How Fitness Changed My Life. And uh, if you guys listened to episode one, you would have heard about who we're going to be talking with today. Um, his name is Stuart Brower. I was
1: part of episode one.
0: You were. You were very, uh, very influential in my fitness journey. So I'm very excited to sit down with him today and hear about you know, how fitness has changed his life because obviously if you listen to episode 1 he changed my life so much with fitness and just him being who he is. So, yeah, like I said, we're going to sit down today and hear about how fitness changed his life and all those stories and what, you know, what plays into that. So, before we jump into things, I just want to give a, you know, a broad overview of who Stu is, what he's up to. And instead of me saying saying all that, I'll let him kind of give his intro of what 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 he's up to today, yeah. and then we'll we'll take things back, you know, to where fitness started. In
1: sure, the and I'll ra- I'll make this quick. I know that's for podcast listeners. Sometimes that's the most boring part. Um, so it'll lead to my story, but if, you know, I'm a, I'm a ginger, i a kid. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and I, you know, I moved during my high school, high school, is such a formidable years for anyone, especially a male, right? Mm-hmm. Females too. But, um, I moved to New Jersey for freshman and sophomore year and I moved back to Ohio. There was a transition period there. And in both cases, I went to all boys schools. So that that's going to set up this entire story. What I do now, though, I've been into fitness my entire life and I found CrossFit very early on in 2006. I went to school for exercise physiology. I graduated with my bachelor's in exercise phys. I went and worked for a CrossFit affiliate. I went and worked for a Globo gym. I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. I started a fitness company out of the back of my truck in a park, and then that morphed into a brick and mortar, and that's evolved into what I have today, which is called the Urban Movement. Along the line, I started doing um, content creation and business coaching for other micro gym owners. That's what I call this sector, these small boutique um, gyms. I, I use the term micro gym, mm-hmm. and that is you know around the time me and Chris were already intertwined via fitness, and then Chris came and started doing content creation with me, and then videography and editing, and that that's my day to day now. My full time gig is what the fuck gym talk is the handle, um, WTF Gym Talk, and I, I put out content uh, for micro gym owners, and and then I also own Urban Movement, which is my brick and mortar fitness location here in Charlotte. I'm married. I have a daughter who's a little over two years old. And, um, I'm still a ginger. So that, that's, that's the fucking story. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, needless or, you know,
0: easy to say that fitness has really changed your entire life, right? Without fitness, you,
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. I don't know what, no, I don't yeah. know what would be everything going on. Is, everything is tied to it. And yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and we're going to go and put this out there. I was listening. I was, I drove out to the mountains A buddy of mine has a cab and I listened to Chris's first episode. I was so excited when you started producing content. I listened to for, for the whole episode. I, all I want to say is I'm going to do my best, but I I do swear a little bit more than Chris. There was like two (laughs) moments where you said like, gosh dang. And I literally like inside, like, (laughs) I just adore you so much. I'm like, that is he's just such a good dude. I'm like, man. Yeah, if he ever me yeah, this is before the, you would ask me to be on it. So I was like, man, if he ever asked me to be on this podcast, we're gonna have to definitely make sure to let people know. Like I do swear a little bit, so anyone listening to this, Chris's family, <laughs> uh, and at least anyone's family, I apologize. I'm gonna do my absolute best to curb the swearing. Yeah, but, we're gonna insert the little parental advisory. Yeah, here. Yeah, uh, a, so you know, that's just the, just
0: be aware, but it's the all Cleveland cool. Cleveland, in me. it's but, all uh, cool. Yeah, but that's my story. Um, yeah, perfect. All right, so let's start at the beginning, right? Kay. So you, you mentioned you lived in Cleveland yep. and I assume like my story, you, you know, there was a part of your life
1: where you didn't do fitness, right? You yeah. were growing I always up did and, sports. Okay. And that's the only thing fitness was from your sports. I was like a three, four sport athlete. So mm-hmm. in the fall I did cross country cause that kept me in shape for the spring, which was track mm-hmm. and the winter was basketball and then um, and then i started doing uh, football and i sw- swapped out cross country football and like most grade school kids most grade school kids play a lot of sports yeah. it's just more of a social thing you got to figure out what the fuck you're good at mm-hmm. and that was fitness for me was just all sports related sure. and i gravitated towards track i was very very fast And then as I got a little bit older, I hit a growth spurt in grade school that other kids didn't. So I was a bigger kid in grade school, like in eighth grade, and I started playing football outside linebacker. I mean, I would destroy people, and I loved playing. It was CYO, Christian Youth Organization Leagues in Cleveland, Ohio, and I I loved Like, playing football was awesome. Mm -hmm. However, high school hits— Everybody else hits a real gross <laughs> spurt, and I get nothing. I don't see a thing. I'm still 145 pounds soaking wet. And uh, that's when fitness, exercising, not for the purpose of sport, exercising for the purpose of like needing to or wanting to be bigger, stronger, mm-hmm. that's when it first happened was high school.
0: Okay. So you – you were kind of the opposite of me, right? You were smaller yeah. and you wanted to get bigger. Yeah. I was bigger, wanted to get smaller. <laughs> you are either big and trying to get smaller, or you're small and trying to get big. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so I know that you also played lacrosse, right? And
1: was that because you weren't big enough for football or did you just like the, lacrosse Lacrosse better? was interesting because in Cleveland, Ohio, and this is back in 2000, um, so I went into school, 2000 is when I started high school. Mm-hmm. So I'm accepted into an all boys St. Ignatius High School in Cleveland, Ohio, Uh, really prestigious, but it's mainly you go there if you're good at sports. And again, football is now not probably an option for me. And I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. But lacrosse wasn't a thing in Cleveland, Ohio back then. It wasn't popular simultaneously, my mom, a guy she'd been dating for a long time, they decided to get more serious, and he lived in New Jersey. So my mom decided, boop, up, grabbing the kids, moving to jersey. And it's huge there. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's huge. And so I showed up to my – and again, I got enrolled in an all-boys high school, Jesuit school. And I show up, and I'm like, well, maybe the kids are smaller in New Jersey, and maybe I'll match <laughs> up because in Ohio, like football is life. And I show up, and my high school doesn't even have football. We don't have it, and that's insane. Really? To me. That's insane to me. Yeah, as an Ohioan, that's, Ohio that's in. crazy. But they had everyone's walk around these fucking sticks with these nets, and just like, like you know, cradling <laughs> the ball. And I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? And I remember a kid told me, or uh, he's a senior. He's like, you want to get laid? You get a stick. You play lacrosse. You put the rock in the net. You get your name in the paper. You get laid. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Like, <laughs> fair enough, dude. Like, where where do I sign up for the stick with the net on it? Yeah. And uh, I went, and they didn't have lacrosse stores back then. You couldn't go to Dick's. Now let me put this back. They only had lacrosse stores. You could not have gone to a Sports Authority or a Dick's or an MC Sports and buy a lacrosse stick. There were these little specialized shops, mm-hmm. and there were very few and far between that you would go and buy your stick at. And I bought one, and I literally I didn't have any friends because I didn't know anybody yet. It was just me and a lacrosse stick, and the side of a building. Mm-hmm. And I went out there and taught myself how to play. There Pretty you much go. It. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So you're playing lacrosse. You're you're you know, you're trying to get bigger. Yeah. And let's say, you know, you're a senior in coll- in high school mm-hmm. and you, you decide you're going to go to college and yep. you decide you're going to go to college for exercise fizz, right? Yep.
1: What, what brought you to that realization? What made you want to go for to the college for that so it's even one step before and so again i'm in new jersey now two years freshman sophomore year i'm in new jersey i get really good at lacrosse mm-hmm. now the great thing about lacrosse is my position i was a midfielder you didn't have to be big but i was very fast and i got good enough with the stick that i was able to be dangerous and then i my mom up that doesn't work out with the boyfriend so we moved back to cleveland so now i'm going to the junior year of high school i go back to that all boys school And they just got lacrosse like a few years ago. And now I'm a kid from New Jersey and everyone's like, dude, this kid's going to be probably sick. He's from Jersey. Everyone's good up in New Jersey. And, but I had a lot of disciplinary issues. I was a, I was just a fuckhead kid. That's just what it was. And, um, I was always in the weight room having to clean it. And really I just go there and I'd work out because everybody in there, again, this is a football school. These kids are my dudes that I I went to high school with are massive, strong guys. And then a lot of them also played lacrosse. And so I'm like, I'm now the little dude. And so I've got to whatever. And you're also now I'm junior in high school. I'm really trying to get laid, right? Like, like that is like, that's like my part. That's my other job. Um, So that is what the first time I got into it. I figured I started really falling in love with fitness. I started reading everything I could on bodybuilding, Mel Siff, super training, uh, Mark Ripito, starting strength, everything Mm -hmm. in the strength and conditioning world, power cleans and all that interested me, pull-ups. And that's why I was like, I'm going to go to school for exercise fizz. Yeah. And at that time. CrossFit didn't even exist, right? So Well, in two thousand, I was unaware of it. Yeah, you were unaware. I didn't really bump into it to the end of 2005. Yeah. So I graduated high school in 2004, all of freshman year. I, I really hadn't seen it. And then towards the end of my sophomore year.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, so like like we've mentioned, you went to school for exercise phys yep. and studied all that. And I'm sure that you, know, you obviously loved studying that content. I didn't, though. You it didn't? was
1: the most... Boring bullshit. <laughs> Actually, physiology is one of the youngest sciences out there, mm-hmm. and I really wasn't interested in the Krebs cycle. I really wasn't interested in all these – like the, I wasn't interested in the the laboratory biology aspect of it, to be a, perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. What I was interested in is human performance, and especially finding CrossFit where I looked at something, and I the first thing I ever saw was the bear complex. And the bear complex was the first time I ever looked at a barbell and thought outside the box of, oh – my barbell can be my cardiovascular training as well. I can, you know, a bear complex, for anyone who's not familiar, it's a series of five different movements with a barbell that once you do one rep of like, let's say, you know, I think it's a, it's a power clean to a front squat, to a thruster, you load that, then you take the bar to the back of your neck, you do a back squat, and then you, you know, you reverse push, press it behind the neck to get it back up. Mm -hmm. And you do one rep, but like five at each one, one time through, and you're breathing yeah. so heavy. And that just – that changed my world mm-hmm. of how I viewed it. Because in, in laboratory, in traditional exercise physiology, we were just talking about cardio separated from resistance training. These were two yeah. different worlds. So CrossFit completely just broke it all down. And once I found CrossFit, I read the journal. I don't think I ever cracked open my exercise phys textbooks. And I think <laughs> – so I have that right up there. I have that Essentials of Strength and Conditioning, and uh, there's a couple other books from college that are still there. I think yeah. Freddie even has one of mine as well. I, I don't think <laughs> I ever would, cracked them would. again. I just, I just breezed through classes. I did good enough to get through because I knew all everything I'm going to learn is going to be practical application for the rest of my life. Yeah, but I would say that you know more than anyone I know about the human body, so you obviously studied somewhere. I, I did. And it, but it, so the great thing about CrossFit, CrossFit gave birth to SMEs, subject matter experts in all these different fields from rowing, Olympic weightlifting, and gymnastics. And I, I just, from 2000 and, you know, that's probably like 2006, all the way to when I I really stepped out of like, like I stopped wanting to learn, not wanting, but I kind of, I just took learning, took a back seat probably in 2015. Mm-hmm. Be, so that's, you know, two So from it's 2000, years yeah, it's like, 10 years easily. And I went to everything. I mean, I got a very fortunate enough to have been one of the the final classes to go through CCP with the, with OPEX and James Fitzgerald, yeah. like when he used to do them in person, um, now you have to go out to Scottsdale to to do them. I got to do it in Boston. I, I did an internship with Training Think Tank. So I did a lot of continuing ed out like outside yeah. of school, and I learned more outside of school in the world of fitness than I ever did within Muskingum University, which great school. Had a blast there. It was a five year party for me, but yeah. it certainly sure as fuck was not yeah. a, a exercise physiology learning experience. Yeah, I think you know you could kind of argue that with any
0: type of discipline you go to school for. I mean, I I went to school for finance and And look at you now. I'm not using any of
1: that. And you're so self-taught. Yeah. Yeah, You're self-taught on everything.
0: Um, yeah. So fair enough. So let's transition, right? You're, you're graduating school. Yep. And I know that when you graduated, you actually got moved to Tennessee Yeah. and started working, you know, real life, um, practical application of your degree talk me through that. And I want to know what made you decide, all right, I want to not be working at a global Gym. I want
1: to then yeah. move and do my own thing. So if you get an exercise phys degree, you kind of you're generally going to go masters. Like you're probably going to do something with it beyond it. Because having an exercise phys degree, you can get a personal training uh, cert. You can get your CSCS, which is a very coveted. The NSCA has your mm-hmm. certified strength and conditioning specialist, which is what you need to become a collegiate strength and conditioning. But you're you're generally going to go that route through have, through getting your masters out of school and going getting becoming a GA and all this other stuff. I went that route. I got accepted, I got into a master's program and literally like, I don't know, maybe a month or two months beforehand, I'm like, fuck it, I'm not doing this. Really? I'm gonna go and work at this CrossFit affiliate that had just opened up and I'm gonna get that practical experience. Yeah. So that's, in, um, the school I was accepted was MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University. And the reason Nashville, I had family in Nashville and I always, I have for two or three years prior, all my summer internships had been there. I had worked at CrossFit gyms, I had worked at a Velocity Sports Performance, um, you know, which was athlete specific. And I just had network there, and um, I like Nashville. It was cool, so I go there, and you know, uh, that's where I decide, hey, I'm gonna work for this guy. And I was like his head coach. Also, like I would help him out with shit around him. We were just meeting him there all day. We'd nap at between like two and four p.m. Like because we were there all fucking day. It was just yep. the early days of CrossFit and the micro gym kind of explosion, and then. I realized I love this. I can definitely coach circles around anybody. I feel like I have that. I don't know shit about business. And then I went the Globo Gym route where all my, you know, everything I knew about fitness was now entering a world where that wasn't allowed. Like there weren't plyometric boxes, right? There weren't bumper plates. There was no concept of doing pull-ups over lap pull downs and you know it was all bicep curls and elbow extensions and stuff like that. And um, so I came in and I got to breathe and like I got to be a teacher. Like and that was that was one of the things I think they really liked about me is that I was gonna be the guy to come in and teach all these typical, these standard, you know, personal trainers, there's this functional fitness movement that's coming and you're either going to be fucking on it or you're gonna be obsolete. Yeah. And and that was a really cool teaching experience. Now the best way to learn anything best way to learn anything is to learn 80% of it and then teach it. You're 80% what you learn to someone else and you will, you will solidify. Like you'll never learn anything as well as when you have to teach it to somebody. Cause yeah, it makes you sure. think about it from different angles. It makes you problem solve one step ahead. Um, so yeah, that, that, that I really think that was probably like when I took all the knowledge I had and once I hit Globo gym, cause I was used to teaching A member, a client, and now it's different. Teaching a member how to squat or to vertically press overhead or, you know, scat pull-ups and all this stuff. That was one thing. But then going to a bunch of other fitness professionals, personal trainers, be like, oh, your bicep curls are great. But if you don't learn how to power clean and deadlift properly, you're fucked. Like, because this fitness revolution is coming. And you will be left in the wake of destruction if you do not get on board.
0: Yeah, so if I heard correctly, which I didn't actually know, is you – worked at a CrossFit gym before you worked yeah. at a global gym. Yep. I thought it was, I thought it was the opposite way yeah. around. So what, what made you decide, obviously it was probably, you know, you said you wanted to get business, uh, business
1: experience. What, what made
0: you know that you would get that business experience at
1: a Globo gym? You know, it's very, you and me, uh, here's where our paths cross very similarly. It's kind of like when you worked for even me and for flex and all that, I was there and I loved the job, mm-hmm. right? Um, he, I was, I was making $600 a month Mm-hmm. And I lived in a, in a shithole apartment complex called the players club. I kid you <laughs> not. This is a real fucking on uh, Nolansville road called the players club in uh in the Brentwood area of Tennessee, technically Nashville. And, um, and like, and I just, ends weren't being met. Yeah. And I just, I knew what I wanted to do was to open up my own thing. And I just knew I'm like, I didn't go, I didn't take a business class ever. I think I took one marketing class and I just fucking, I barely showed up to it. Yeah. So, I need to get this. And that's where the Globo Gym thing was. Cause at that time, it's like, well, who's doing the business side of fitness the best? Gold's Gym, LA Fitness, um, Lifetime Fitness, all these companies. Well, fuck, I'll go there and be a plebe. And I was, I was just a personal trainer yeah. and I'd be just giving clients. And then they gave me the opportunity to sell and I killed it and then they got opportunity to run a location and I killed it and I had a location in the hood I was the only white dude like on staff yeah. like it's just me and a bunch of people on food stamps and I'm selling them $80 a month PT packages anything yeah. nickel and dime 1% of the time and I'm the dude and um, that's awesome yeah and it just it, but it does like it, like I love the cultural side of it I was joking like black people fucking love me um, and I was just joking like this is an all black neighborhood and there's my ginger ass yeah. in there right but, but that's the, the only way I got bought buy-in is because I was able to teach people a different way to do fitness, which I had learned through my, through the CrossFit experience and taking the different certifications and things like that. And that's where the respect came in. Otherwise I would have got my fucking ass whooped in there every day.
0: Yeah. Um, So you were at Globo gym, but you weren't teaching them,
1: you know, bicep curls and and bench press. You were teaching them CrossFit. Yeah. I was a training director. So I was no longer doing personal training at this point. I'm now a training director. I'm, my job is to sell $120,000 in EFTs and personal training every fucking month. Yeah. And (laughs) it's a grind, you know, and it's different. think of it, like for those of you guys listening that maybe own a gym and the micro gym owners that are going to listen to this when I share it on my channels and stuff like that it, it's the 120,000 is based off like your EFTs for the year so it was like if it was a $100 a month that would be a $1200 EFT yeah, for the fair year enough, fair enough. um but yeah it, it was a grind but you had a gym that was selling 100 200 300 memberships a month so you'd get 30 at bats to sell somebody mm-hmm. but it, yeah and that's where the two worlds of business and then my fitness knowledge really came into play okay and at this
0: time what did fitness look like for you? Was it oh, was it like I need to work out every yeah. day? and I mean, eat I did, chicken and rice. I, I was
1: still that. I was still like, I could wake up, go to work, work out, um, go out to the bars, the clubs, whatever. Be uh, come home at three a.m., sleep for two and a half hours, go back to work. Like I was still like young enough, I was able to make that work. Mm-hmm. So fitness for me was like it was still serious. I was you know CrossFit was not. I was still turned on by the competitive nature of CrossFit by that point. And it wasn't mm-hmm. as competitive as is now. But like the fact that 135 pounds was a heavy barbell back then, you know, um, doing 20 pull-ups in the row was kind of crazy, you yeah. know, kind of scenario. Like these things, like the metrics weren't as crazy as they are today in the CrossFit world. But, yeah, my training looked very CrossFit-like. We'd always just kind of come up with ways. Uh, back in the day when I was in college, we'd go to Columbus, uh, Rogue Fitness, the original one, and we'd come up with workouts just like, how can we just fuck ourselves up? Like, let's just come up with the most fucked up workout, 300 reps of this, whatever. And I, my favorite rogue fitness shirt I ever had on the back of it just said, well, that was stupid, dot, dot, dot. Because that's literally what we would say at the end of every workout. Yeah. But it was a different scene. We weren't even then – we weren't as educated in the fitness realm as to what we know today and the proper way to program and and with yeah. this new dose of functional fitness. But yeah, I was working out every day pretty much, uh, good shape, you know, I was, you know, I was strong, I had the body weights so up, I was still very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I'm sure you know that was also a way for you to obviously, you know, be an outlet from working at the at the gym. Yeah. And it's hard to work out in the gym that you work in because yeah. it's so fucking hard. But um, especially in a global gym setting. But because uh, everyone wants to talk to you or you'll see someone like, fuck, have we, have we sold her personal training yet? Yeah, we need to go sell. Uh. <laughs> and then you're actually trying to work out at yeah, the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. So, and it, but a global gym is also difficult to do functional fitness in. Because sure. while I was training all these guys on it, the corporate structures had not been like, oh, okay, let's listen to this Red Etiquette and build out functional fitness locations. It wasn't until I moved to Charlotte that I actually was able to get. That corporate, when I got that new corporate job when I moved to Charlotte in 2009, I got them to build out functional fitness centers inside their Globo gym. I was able to sell them. But again, CrossFit, it caught on a little more. So I was able to like show them, like, look, I'm not fucking crazy. Like I, you know, back in, you know, when I first graduated.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's a good segue. Walk us through. So for those of you that don't know, obviously Stu owns Urban Movement right now. But before Urban Movement, he owned what was called CrossFit South End. He still owns the name and the rights to it. But Walk us through how you then went from Globo Gym and said, All right, it's time for me to do this on my own. Yeah. I, I I've shown, you know, that I can coach. I've shown that I obviously have a passion for this. Yeah. And now I want this to be
1: my life's work. How yeah. how did that all evolve and you know, what were the struggles? What were the good times? Yeah, times, it was, you know, so I was doing the global gym thing in Nashville, Tennessee. with my really good buddies, Ambrose Laburu, he had been oh, there that's long. That's the name, right? Yeah, there. dude, Ambrose <laughs> is the shit. Um, that's, that's, that's my black brother from another mother. Um, so my dude, he gets, uh, he's been there longer than me and he's mm-hmm. a great sale. He taught me a lot about sales and he gets the promotion to move to Charlotte because urban active was the name of the company. Urban Active had just opened a 50,000-square-foot location in Charlotte, and he was going to be the training director there. Me and him were training directors in separate clubs in Nashville, both you know good, decent-sized clubs, but that was his promotion. And so I went out here with him. I, I did a road trip with him in mm-hmm. to help him find a place and to look at his new club, and I was just envious. I was like, dude, I want, I want his job, but I didn't have the seniority he had with Urban Active. So I instantly just started looking. What were the fitness companies in Charlotte that weren't doing as good? And I could be like, look at my sales track records. I mean, I had broken records at Urban Movement sales-wise. And I did. Urban I thought, Active. Yeah, Urban active. active. Yeah. Which is when a lot of people look at Urban Movement and they look at the significance of what we've done. It's definitely, that is a, because Urban Active was, again, it's the one of the reasons I've won in this space is my, what I learned there. And that's yeah. just a little tip. Um, but anyway, the... I get out here and I find a company, I show, I tell them who I am and I sell them on hire me as their VP that my title was VP of personal training and it wasn't urban active. It was not it was a different company okay. and they had locations in Kentucky. I was the first of the 15th. I was in Charlotte and then I would drive the 16th through the end of the month and I'd be at their Kentucky clubs, really? Lexington, Louisville, uh, E town for any of you guys in Kentucky. Like I was there running those clubs, okay. uh, installing personal training departments and all kinds of stuff and teaching the functional fitness thing. Excuse me, so we get through all that and um, it's doing good. I'm making more money than any kid my age should at that point. I, uh, you know, I'm having a really good time with life mm-hmm. and uh, partying and all kinds of good stuff. I had moved some of my buddies down to Charlotte that had gone to school with me in Ohio. It just like, it was a great time. It's like, you know, the best. They say when you're like 26, 27 and you're just kind of fucking off and maybe you're making some real money and all that, it's just such a good time to be alive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah as you can relate right now, yeah. you know, you're having the time. There, you're, I'm getting you're, there. you're getting there. You're, getting there. you're <laughs> getting there. You are well on your way. It's, uh, and that's, but I had, I knew I still wanted to open up my own thing. I knew that. I knew Urban Active um, and the new company Energy Sports and Fitness was the one in Charlotte. I knew they weren't long-term plays. Mm -hmm. I was going to open my own thing. And when I got to Charlotte, I fell in love with it. And I looked around like, all right, I'm going to open my own thing. So I opened a mobile personal training company called ESC Mobile Fitness. And I went around and partnered with apartment complexes and we provide trainers on site. So if you sign a lease at a new apartment, you also got to meet with one of the ESC Mobile Fitness trainers and they would give you a complimentary consultation Inside of the fitness center, and if you so chose, you could purchase personal training. Your trainer would meet you right there. I had seven trainers in over twelve different apartment complexes. That's awesome. And you know, after expenses, and I paid everyone, I was netting like I don't know, like seven thousand, eight thousand dollars a month, and that was like yeah. that was like my <laughs> that was like my side hustle. I still had a forty-hour week gig that oh, was so paid me. This were was still on, working. Yeah, this the was both. Weekend. Yeah, and that you know, obviously, any of you guys who ever burned the candle at two ends, where you're doing something you shouldn't, like if you, especially like because I had a non-compete, yeah, and they found. That <laughs> out. They fired me super quick. They flew someone in from corporate from Kentucky down to Charlotte and canned me spot on scene <laughs> once they found out I had started this other company and it was legit. Like when of like, he's in how many different apartment complexes? He has how many 1099 employees underneath him?
0: Um, but I'm sure at that point it was like a sigh of relief
1: this because you were like, I'm ready to. You've got, do yeah, 100%. This, right? You have got to shit or get off the pot, and sometimes yeah. you're forced in that direction. Yeah. So that might have been like best yeah. case scenario. But you think fitness, and again, a lot of this is obviously from a business standpoint that we're talking about. But, you know, at this point now, fitness has now taken me from a scholastic learning environment. To moving me into this um, this business kind of trial by an error, you know, trial mm-hmm. by fire kind of thing. <laughs> to now it's located me into a city I've never been in. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know one human being in Charlotte, North Carolina yeah. besides my boy Ambrose. And, it, and I got out here before his club was even finished. So I was out here for like five months before he even got out here. And so I didn't know anybody. And then I start this little side hustle company, ESC Mobile Fitness, which once I got fired, that turned into just ESC Fitness. Yeah. And I ran outdoor boot camps. And ESC Fitness, then we got a brick and mortar, and then that became CrossFit South End, and then CrossFit South End became Urban Movement. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? it? Yeah, the trajectory of it. And it all comes from the fact that I was a 145-pound <laughs> ginger at an all-boys school trying to get laid and trying to you know play first-string varsity lacrosse. Yeah. And I got in trouble in a weight room, and I had to – like fitness was the, the domino for all that. Um, but I also – I believe for me fitness too whenever – I want to do, like whenever I'm working out, and this is still today, mm-hmm. and it's I'm not going to lie, it is not as strong today as I'd like it to be, but whenever I'm working out and I think of not doing a rep or not finishing a run hard or whatever it may be, I think to myself, how you do anything is how you do everything. Now, I don't buy into that 100%. Like That's a quote you'd see on someone's Instagram. How yeah. you do anything is how you do everything. I know how bullshit that quote is, but at the same time, I think about that in my head. I'm like, all right what if times got tough and I had to make changes at urban movement or I really needed to work harder to open the second location or whatever. That's the equivalent of me doing this rep or finishing that run. And and I use fitness like when I'm out on the training floor, I think it's a great, great way to, to test your character. I think every job interview should involve taking someone to a a group workout class and watching that individual workout. Cause when you don't want to do another fucking burpee, and you fucking make yourself do it. It, tells, it says so much about your yeah. character. Yeah. My favorite quote is: "You want to see someone's integrity? Watch someone do a hundred push-ups." And you're talking about like the guy who starts like worming and like yeah. dry humping the floor, you know, broken. Like you want to see the integrity of someone? Watch them work out. I think I remember you saying that to us when we used to <laughs> work out together. Yeah.
0: You know, back but, in CrossFit South End. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we you know we've pretty much gone over how your, yeah. your, your story. Um, but kind of what you were just talking about, I want to know how fitness, you know, obviously you've said that while you're working out, you think about certain things, mm-hmm. but I would say that you are probably one of the most, not most, but you are the hardest working person I know. You know, you're, if there's work to do, you're not afraid to do it. You're You're just going to hammer it down and get it done. And for me personally, I think that fitness, has kind of instilled that in my mind. And I was just curious how, you know, maybe fitness has played a role in that and making you be a hard worker and all that stuff.
1: And I appreciate the compliment and, and and from working hard, you know, from Chris's perspective. So Chris comes into my life when I own CrossFit South end. Right. Um, I mean, this guy, this
0: guy's working like 14 hour, 15 hour days every day. And it's like just his, his norm. And And
1: most people (laughs) that's like, that's crazy. And so it is, but it's also again. I you know I look it back on what I've had again. I you know, went from like this corporate job, all this really good money. And then I was like, fuck, oh shit, they fired me. I got to, I got to make this thing actually work now. It can't just be my side hustle. Can I do this? And I mm-hmm. wrote it. And when you've, when you've grinded and it's like having, it's like having a kid, like my daughter, I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know, my daughter is two now and I, everything she does, I have so much pride in every Like she could do anything. And I'm so, I'm so like, oh my God, he did such a good job. It's very much like that with the business. Every little step forward I took, I was like, holy fuck. I used to be in a park and now I have like a little shithole, 1800 square foot spot, but it's mine. It's yeah. my shithole. And then I had a 7,100 square foot spot and then I bought a building and I'm in 10,500 square feet. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so working hard comes easy to people when you're seeing results from it. And I think fitness is the same way. I think a lot of people listening to this could relate. It's really hard to continue with an exercise program if you don't see results. True. You know, like if you, you show up to the gym four days a week, and you do that for a year, and you were to not see any results first off, your nutrition's fucked. There's no way that's even physically possible. But like, I'm just using as an example, I think that's how I was able to always do, ha, do hard work, because I was constantly seeing a result. And even if I didn't see an immediate result from it, I truly believed in the long tail ROI of whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. So like we're Chris saying, working these long hours, I tr- I've never worked a day in my life. I love what I do. I've never worked a day in my life. I choose to do this. I don't have to work that much. I get to work that much. Fair enough. And, um, and, and, but you know, taking it to the fitness realm, as far as that goes, you know, fitness for me has changed and evolved. And you firsthand, you have seen it, you have benefited. And also uh, you've had the consequences of it. When I switched like the, you know, I'm talking without getting too far into it, we switched the business model and the fitness model of what yeah. we do here at urban movement from CrossFit South. End. yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch that in a little bit later on, but my fitness my belief in fitness has also evolved as i've gotten older and you do anything for over a decade which i've been doing this crossfit functional thing since 2006 yeah. so i'm over 10 years in you're going to uh sophisticated yeah. evolve your your belief yeah, I in think fitness. fitness is always evolving for everybody, at least your belief in fitness. Like yeah. I said, you know, same with me, right? hundred percent. Like you, you started doing those workouts, uh, with your buddy at like the inside, you started with the, the golf workouts yeah. and you were doing like the thi- bodybuilding then CrossFit. and yeah. CrossFit. Now, it, now it's a little different. Freddie got you to evolve your model when you took, it, <laughs> did that first workout. And now you look at where you are now with the Ironman stuff. Yeah. It's, and then I don't say sophistication, like everything you did previously was not sophisticated. It's just an evolution of yeah. it. It's probably the just better way. trying one. new things. You know, hundred percent. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of, I that's kind of how I feel. A lot of things are in life. You know, you you don't want to do the same thing over yeah. and over again forever. You want to try new things or try to get better at what you're doing. And if you do do the same thing forever yeah. and keep getting better at it, then that's
1: that's and great too. And think about too. how opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, this is a guy like Chris has. He is blessed with very good mobility. He has great range of motion in his shoulders, his hips, and his ankles. Um, golf is instilled really good core to extremity type movement patterns for him. So Olympic weightlifting for Chris, while the loads he lifts might not be at a fucking national level or something, the way he lifts his technique and just his – the way he re- – he has really good form. And you look at <laughs> Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit being on this end of the spectrum to where the fuck you are now with Ironman training. Yeah. There's no explanation for that. Like nobody goes that far except for the fact I want to try something different. You know, like, you know, most people tick over, you know, they'll like, I'm doing nothing. I'm going to start walking and running on my own and I'm doing walking and running. I'm going to join the YMCA. And now I'm like kind of lifting weights and going on bodybuilding.com and watching YouTube videos. Cool. Now I'm going to give this thing CrossFit thing a try. And Mm -hmm. now I do a CrossFit thing. And then like people tick across. You went, I mean, there was no middle ground. You didn't go do a Spartan race. And then you're like, man, endurance training's kind of cool. I think I might buy a bike. And then did like a twenty K bike ride. No, not even gonna do it. You just went grrr. I remember the day you came in and told me that. I was like, You're fucking with me. You've got to <laughs> be Because The me. day
0: before we had talked about how I was trying to get bigger.
1: <laughs> me I and dude like, deuce Stu, were talking to you about it. Like, dude,
0: like, I'm gonna I'm I signed up for a half Ironman Man <laughs> last night and he was like, Didn't you just say yesterday you're trying to put
1: on size? But that's the beauty of it. You can be fickle with your fitness and yeah. change things up on it. Like, you know, like if I was like, dude, I want to get into break dancing tomorrow. And, like, all I'm gonna do is break dancing for my fitness, mm-hmm. I would lose a large o- aspect of my fitness and I would gain another. We yeah. have, um, uh, James Casanova do you know I'm uh, James yeah, okay yeah. so he you know he's he's my favorite such a good looking dude he's he's, in a, he's a, like my model for all the videos yeah. we do for movement yeah, that that video is great James comes to me and he's same thing he wanted to put on strength he was with us for over a year and he comes to me he's like I really think I want to get into boxing so I'm like you need to cancel your gym membership and you need to go to dime boxing which yeah. is right around the corner There's the guy from at me. my work he yeah. loves it and he goes there he's really got in the boxing and he's i mean James is like he's he's shrunk, he's leaned out a ton and you can tell he's like yeah I've lost a bunch of strength but I'll get back into I'll come back the a movement mm-hmm. at some point, which I love. I love when fitness is a journey for people. Not that I mind if someone niches in. Right, if you are a hardcore competitive CrossFitter and that's all you're going to do, or you're hardcore into Ironman, that's all you're going to do. I'm totally good with it. You get to niche in and really excel at that thing. Mm-hmm. I really, uh, my conversations, I think it's a much more interesting conversation for me when someone becomes a practitioner and a taste tester, where you you're you're at the bar and you're getting a flight of fitness over 20 years. You know, this one here was CrossFit, this one here was parkour, this one here was <laughs> Ironman, this one here was rock climbing, yeah. this one here was swimming, like whatever it may be. I think that. Um, I think it lends to experience a different mental challenge because i i you know if this were my podcast i was interviewing you i would be asking you what is the difference when you're doing like a crossfit workout and you were in the middle of the suck 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 yeah how is that compared to the middle of the suck of halfway through the the (laughs) swim or halfway during the bike ride like i was actually thinking about that the other day i was like Personally, I
0: think it's pretty similar because, right, you're working out, and it, it sucks at some point, and it feels good when you're done. Yes. The only difference is with CrossFit, it sucks for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. With Ironman, it sucks for 10 hours. Yeah. Is the, the pain sun, threshold the no, same? No, it's not. Yeah. So I heard a good quote, and I agree with it 100%. So, and this, this guy was talking about doing, like, have you heard of Criterium races? No. So it's a it's a bike race um, where you only bike, and yeah. it, it'll be maybe Is that the one where the guys' wheels look like they're solid, like the wheels, like the rims. They are, can, okay. yeah. It, it just depends That's what probably setup the clips they have, I've seen. Yeah, but um, they did it in the CrossFit Games. Okay. It yeah, was yeah, yeah, oh yeah, like the ten laps Yes, 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 yes Around yes. the uh, around the track. So criterium race, shorter distance. Um, you know, might only be thirty, forty minutes long, and you're going all out for that whole time, yep. right? So he was saying how. In a Criterion race, it feels like you're you're having a ice pick dug into your legs for 40 minutes, right? It's unbearable pain, like terrible, and it's just how long can you hold on and yeah. how long can you endure that pain? And then he went on and said, Ironman is more like a toothache, right? It's it's just a slow burning pain, sure. And how long can you put up with that? Yeah. So it's that, and I agreed, right? You know, CrossFit, you're you're sitting here doing. Uh, you know, twenty-one, fifteen, nine of thrusters and pull-ups. You're dying by yeah, the end. and, and yeah. it's just
1: like, how hard can, you, or how long can you endure that it's little pain? It's just the intensity and baked in. Because when you, even when you say this, like the exercise physiologist in me comes out when, <laughs> when Chris gives the example of an ice pick, unbearable pain. It's bearable if you can do it, anything's bearable if you can do it for 40 minutes. Yeah. Like, you know, and you just think about the intensity of a workout like Fran, which is a classic CrossFit workout where there is a, va- like if you, you know, some people will do this workout in under three minutes and be in so much pain, they cannot get off the floor mm-hmm. afterwards. And they possibly might develop rhabdomyolysis where they have to go to the hospital and get fluids because their piss looks like Coca-Cola and their kidneys are failing. Like it literally <laughs> could give you rhabdo, yeah, which three is in three minutes. So the amount of pain to fit into three minutes is obviously much larger. Larger than the amount of pain you would have because you couldn't endure that amount of pain for 40 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But it's all relative too. They're different metabolic pathways. When people talk about, you know, uh, you know, again, the exercise scientists, I mean, we talk about the phosphagen, the glycolytic, and the oxidative energy pathways. And there's essentially a fourth, which is your lactic, which where you go off. What people like in layman's term, we call it lactic acid. Mm-hmm. Even though there is no such thing as lactic acid, it's lactate. And no, not the stuff in your mom's, you know, tit when she's breastfeeding you. Like lactate is a substance inside the body the body creates when you're going through exercise and when it doesn't get buffered and processed well that's where one feels like they have concrete like yeah, concrete coursing through their veins mm-hmm. those are two different ones you you touch into those on crossfit on some things and then the workout's over but on your events you, you just bunker down and you camp out there like yeah. you camp out in those fucking lactate painful settings yeah. and that's what you're just they're not one is harder than the other they're completely different which is why i think things like the crossfit games are such interesting tests of fitness because goddamn they they do it all like those yeah. guys do that race and then they're going to do the high intensity stuff Yeah, and then they're going to go max out their deadlift and percent yeah, it's crazy 100 those guys are
0: <laughs> yeah. different animals yes yeah. um all right yeah so i want to go into this whole like we were saying your journey of fitness you know it's always evolving yep And just like your fitness journey can evolve, Stu's business journey has evolved as well. And I know, you know, a good portion of this, but I really want to understand and just kind of dive into what made you go from owning a CrossFit gym to wanting to own your own sort of gym. And I will preface this with saying at the time, you know, it was maybe what, 2016 when you were getting all these ideas? Yeah, right around there. I will say there wasn't anything that was going bad, right? You know, your gym was killing it. And I thought everything was good, but obviously it's your business. You get to decide how, how things go and you wanted to take
1: things a different route. So what what made you, it never was about the money. Yeah, I know it wasn't. And again, it's funny because I, I make content all the time because I have to yell at gym owners who talk about, well, it's not about profit. It's about my passion. I'm like, yeah, but your passion doesn't pay the fucking bills, buddy. True. So, yeah. but yeah. So when with I that start, said, right, you correct. know, this so was a
0: huge, huge, it was in, in CrossFit and me going to Ironman, you know, it's not going to make me make any less money. Or yeah, something, it doesn't right? affect- you, had, you had a family to provide for at this yeah, time. I was married. Yep. You're going off on this whole new journey. So
1: I'm it's, sure it was scary. I'm sure it was. It is. I always think of my, I f- saw CrossFit early, but I wasn't the only guy that saw CrossFit earlier. guys that saw CrossFit earlier than me mm-hmm. and recognized the stock value that the, the stock is going to go up. This is going to be a good thing. And, but we truly believed in it. And what I believed in was constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. Chris knows this. He went and took a level one. Mm-hmm. He's a certified CrossFit coach. Um, but that is our standard definition of CrossFit. Um, Constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity. Yeah. That is what I believe in my core. How CrossFit was being manifested, because a lot of the popularity came from the sport. And my problem with CrossFit is that CrossFit is a global sport testing the fittest in the world. Yeah. But then in the same breath, you're saying CrossFit is a fitness program for anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. Those two, and I'm a branding. Like my brain thinks about the way you look at two brands. That is like saying, "Oh, this here, this drink, it will get you fucked up. It is, it is gonna get you wasted. Drink this, or you're gonna get wasted." But two year olds can have it too. And it's just like to me, it doesn't compute to have a, a thing called CrossFit called the the sport of the fittest in the world. This, you know, the sport of fitness. And then also tell me that my 97 year old grandmother could do it now. I know that my 97-year-old grandma can do constantly varied functional movements at a high intensity, and intensity being relative to her. Mm-hmm. But from a businessman standpoint, I, you know, we're sitting here in my office, and you know, you're, you guys listening to the podcast can't see this obviously, but I've got my old CrossFit South End sign up here, my very first one, and then I have a photo of uh, my second location where I CrossFit South End on a 30-foot post up in the air for the whole world to see here in Charlotte. That brand name of CrossFit Southend slowly stopped um, embodying my core values from a fitness component. I lo- we still do urban movement does constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. We just we got very specific on what kind of movements. CrossFit yeah. obviously is very big in the Olympic uh, lifts. Um, so, so you yeah. so to summarize, you kind of felt
0: that Cro- the CrossFit name. Blurred the the lines between sports, sports and, and fitness. fitness. I, and I you weren't yes. down for that.
1: Yeah, from a business, yeah, I think it did. Like trying to educate the masses on it, I think it made it confusing. Yeah. And I just want to own. Like I've put so much time and effort into CrossFit South End. What if, and I've always, you've you've heard my content with this, Greg Glassman, who's the founder. What if a sex scandal came out about Greg Glassman? Like he was the Jerry Sandusky of 2019. <laughs> like what if he had done something heinous or something like that would happen? I would now be – because I'm associated with the thing that's not mine. The great thing about yeah. urban movement, if I make it, I will be revered as a fucking genius for – dropping my stock in CrossFit when I did and doing this. And if I lose, I've got no one to blame but myself. It's True. all I'm all in on me. And that's what I've always believed. I've believed in me. I believe in this thing, CrossFit. And a lot of my clients are CrossFit, like hardcore CrossFit gyms, and they do great. Because when mm-hmm. you fully want to be all in on that one thing, just me personally, for my own core values and what I want out of uh, my fitness career, my fitness career legacy, was to is to find something just a little bit different. You know, people come in here and you look at what we do, and you can you can see the origin. You can see how CrossFit has influenced what we do here mm-hmm. at Urban Movement. Yeah. But anyone who has taste tested CrossFit comes in here, they wouldn't call. They they would say this isn't CrossFit. Like my yeah. number one cancellation back when we made that whole changeover. This isn't CrossFit enough.
0: Yeah, I would say it's like a it's like a watered down version of CrossFit, yeah. which is more not more safe, but it's more like. Realistic, right? You you don't need to learn how to snatch and
1: correct and climb twenty feet up in the air on a rope to be fit, right? One hundred percent. We kept the movements. What I wanted to do is I wanted to keep constantly varied functional movements, at high intensity. We kept the movements that have the best ROI with the lowest rate of injury and yep. with the lowest prerequisites needed. I mentioned earlier how much mobility and great range of motion Chris has. He is an outlier. Not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. So to try to teach someone how to overhead squat and snatch is reckless and unprofessional, my opinion. When they don't possess that stuff, and when they came to you looking to get that one hour of the day to get a good workout in, and now you're trying to, like, well, now we got to spend 20 minutes on mobility to hit this one movement that'll never make you look better. Snatching is not going to make you look better naked, it's going to make yeah. you better at snatching, True. right? Pressing a barbell overhead, doing pull ups, burpees, jumping out of box, and being on an ergometer, a bike, a rower, a skier, whatever is going to make you look better naked. Yeah. And um, and so that's just kind of where that bias came from. And, and getting away from the sports side of it allowed me to surround myself with members and people pursuing fitness that were never going to have a bad experience because somebody in you know Taiwan beat them in the open. Because the workouts that came out that you programmed that they aren't their fate, like, oh, why are we doing that? Like, I was never going to get questioned anymore. Yeah. When I stopped solicit, when I stopped um, selling to people who were searching for sport, because people get very emotional about sport. Yeah. And there's, you know, I've got and very fit yeah, yeah. yeah. And CrossFit, yeah, competition it breeds a ton of competition. I just that was someone I that was the type of client avatar we wanted to move beyond from. We just wanted someone who wanted to come in here, and have a good workout, and have awesome workouts with awesome people, and then get yeah. the fuck out. And I think, like we were talking about the fitness journey,
0: it's really easy when you first uh, fine CrossFit to go like all in, right. And be like, I love it. I'm competitive. Uh I want to get as good as I can. But over the time, and I've experienced this and you I'm sure have as well, you kind of lose that. And you're just like, I just want to work out and and have a good time. And I don't care. It's a part of my day. It isn't my day. (laughs) I (laughs) don't care how much I can back squat. I don't care how much I can deadlift. I just want to be fit. Right. Yeah. I mean like, so that's where I see this gym being like the perfect recipe for anyone
1: that's kind of falling into that, that like I have and our, you have. One of our highest client acquisitions right now are people that come to us from other CrossFit gyms when they get kind of burnt out. They're like, I really liked what I was doing there, but on days when they snatched and overhead squatted and forced me to learn double unders and do kipping uh, handstand pushups, I just, like, that just annoyed me because I just want, like, I spend so much time practicing something that i'm not good at mm-hmm. but i i only get to practice it once every three weeks when it pops up in a workout in class i'm never gonna get good at it why can't I just come in and do things that i am that any like again the movements we do in here anybody can do and when a crossfit gym says they have universal movements and you have things like kipping handstand push-ups and muscle-ups and double unders in there that's not a universal movement you need to just like that's again that's somebody who uh who went through yeah. their crossfit level one and hasn't actually been in the scholastic side of fitness long enough yeah Fair enough. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, all right. So lastly, um, and this, I would say is impacted your life recently. The most I would say is the evolution of your consulting business. So I was there for kind of the creation of all this. It was back in, I don't know, 2015, 20, you know, late 2015. Yep. And at the time I was, I was cranking out my vlogs and I remember Stu came to me one day and was like, Hey man, uh, I need your video editing expertise yep. for a little project I'm, I'm doing. And I was like, all right, cool. And so he, you know, he brought me in, he had me bring the camera. And I remember we drove up to, what was it? Mooresville. What was where the yeah, juice box juice box yep. was across um, the juice box. One of my first clients. Yeah. We drove up. And I'm just sitting there <laughs> recording Stu saying all this stuff and I was like, dang he's dropping all this knowledge <laughs> and, and this guy's so smart like for anyone that doesn't know Stu, he's you know he's one of the smartest guys you'll you'll ever listen to and only in the realm of owning a gym and, and maybe fitness well, That's No, it. i, no, I that. would i would show your stuff to any business any biz, <laughs> sure, any sure, business sure. owner in america could benefit from it in the from, realm of
1: business and then fitness outside of that i'm an absolute well, what moron. else is there yeah exactly. business and fitness <laughs> <laughs> what healthcare maybe <laughs>
0: exactly um, <laughs> so like i said you know I, I really respect Stu he's the smartest guy i've i've you know, one of the smartest guys I've known and we're driving up to the gym and I'm like, so what is all this? And he's, he's telling me what he's, his ideas are. And he wanted to start a consulting business. And I was like, dang, that's smart idea. So tell me about how all that, all of that started, because obviously you went through the fitness, um, the fitness realm, you started your own gym and got good enough at it, at, at being a gym owner that you then decided, all right, well, I can, you know, yeah. share some of my knowledge with other people.
1: Yeah, so the business, you know, I've always known that to grow a business, you have to grow the people around you. And I had my Isaac, and I had my coaches, and I, I, the business didn't need me. Like, it, if I walked away from it, and I could be, just disappear for three months, and um, it would still make money. And yeah. it was just – so the business was running on its own. And then I really wanted – I realized, I looked around, and I, I was a big fan of guys like Jason mm-hmm. Um I was a big fan of guys like Ben Bergeron, Chris Cooper. These are all – people in the fitness space and the micro gym space that have done really well and were giving business advice. Okay. And I would listen to it and I loved it. I, I have a different flavor. Like I like listening to guys that sound more like Howard Stern. That sound more like uh, a Gary Vee That yep. sound more like um, you know George Carlin. I'm a huge fan, of, a huge stand-up comedy fan. Yeah, and I just like everyone's delivery was very so polished. And I, if you if you hang out with me, like my buddies would always describe me they'd be like so. St- you're gonna Stu's coming, uh, guys. Just he, I know you haven't met him before. He's kind of a dick, <laughs> but to, but once you get to know and him, meet him, you know he's really funny and you'll like him. He's a good dude, but he kind of comes off as kind of an asshole. Yeah. And that kind of approach of telling Jim, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? like nobody was saying that everybody had this very very and again nothing against this but it is very kind of soft polished let's all talk about our perfect day and and there was nobody kind of aggressive like yeah. aggressively talking and that's how i naturally am yeah. so i was like i can just like talk it. about the shit i've learned in the way i would talk normally in my cleveland you know you know swagger with the swearing and the fuck face and the this and that <laughs> and and i think it would hit yeah. And it and it and it, and it did. did. It did it did, you know, more than I could have ever imagined. And um, but that was it. I started making content. And mm-hmm. that's all it was. It was just content with no call to action. Content with no call to action. I would shoot some shit, Chris would film it, we'd edit it, he'd publish it, and then would put it out there. It's just free. It was just free. It was, it free. was crazy, man. And like and it still is. Yeah. And the only thing that you have to pay for and I you know, I charge as much, if not more, than your lawyer probably is if you want to sit down with me and have me give you a specific strategy from my brain to your ears for your business. Yeah, if you go on his WTF Facebook page and just watch, there's like
0: 500 videos. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's crazy. I need to get like... Facebook doesn't give you the tally of all the videos you have, yeah. like YouTube does. Yeah. So I'm like, am I really gonna sit there and transfer every video? Because you started doing that for me back in the day. <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason, I, besides the vlog, which I started shooting in January of this year, that's the only reason there's any videos on there whatsoever, because I wasn't fucking on, with YouTube, on YouTube at all. Yeah. You were really the inspiration for that. When Chris started vlogging, and I just started vlogging in, in G- January, and when Chris started vlogging, I was so impressed with the balls he had to hold the camera. And I obviously had no issue speaking on camera and all that, but I had, uh, but it, it wasn't even well, – let me say this differently, not the balls. The prep he would do, he would pull into uh, to CrossFit South End, <laughs> set his camera down so he got a cool angle of his car point up, pull back out, drive back in to get that shot. All that work to get the one shot. And then you really turned me on to Casey Neistat, yeah. which was a huge influential from a how can I create a one-man show? Because the great thing with having you for all those years, I was spoiled. I had someone to shoot and edit. Yep. And now I do all the shooting editing myself and even after you grew, like I, you know you went on to do your thing I went through two other main videographers that I use for a year and a half mm-hmm. and you really it's hard for you to develop your own cadence. I own my style of video so much better now that I have to edit it myself because I have to think because before Chris get the camera and I got some fire I want to spit. But I never. I, I. But it was just like it, now. I actually have to curate it and think about it. How I'm going to set this. I'm even setting up the vlog. Like I'm recording right now. Yeah. I thought about how I was going to intro this and bring you into it. And now I'm thinking about how I'm going to transition to my next meeting. And like you just have to be director, producer, yeah. and editor. But and But I will say that's kind of the
0: fun part of it, It right? Because you get to be creative, Creative, a
1: hundred percent.
0: And that's what I really enjoyed about the
1: vlog is like, all right, sweet. I get to pull into the
0: parking lot and I'm going to film that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But it takes a special kind of person. I'll have gym owners reach out like, I want to start vlogging. I'm like, I would just start off with topic specific videos first talking head videos just start with those and get find your rhythm find your voice Mm -hmm. and then get into the cool like i'm going to create this three-part shakespearean vlog narrative you know with a beginning a middle and an end yeah because jumping right into that is very difficult
0: yeah for sure and like i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and draw some parallels here but it's crazy how creating a vlog is so similar to owning a gym yep or being in fitness because like you said, you want to see results, right? And you upload videos and you want to see that subscriber yep. count 100%, go up. hundred percent. And Dopamine hit. Yeah, exactly. And just like, you know, a business, Adding you a want to more, see more members or you want to money. see you, you
1: get bigger, losing weight, whatever it is. 100%. It's crazy, man. You, It's it, there's again for that's what burnout is, in my opinion. Burnout is when we put a lot of effort into something and we don't see any reward. Yeah. And in business that could be for a while, gym owners will put a lot of effort and they don't make money, but they, you know, they get Sally, her first pull up or the, They love the noise of the bay doors going up, and that works for a while, but then eventually that passion dies, and we need some profit. For vlogging, there are people, and you see them on YouTube, that vlog and vlog and vlog and vlog and vlog, and and that subscriber count never goes up. And in the beginning, they don't care because even if they get one comment, they're immensely happy. But at a long enough timeline, all that work with no reward will equal burnout, and they will quit. Yeah. I mean, I even look at like when you, when Chris fit launched and I remember binge watching you and just binging all your vlogs. So that would always get caught from behind. And Mm -hmm. it was always fun because it was in my gym. And I was like, man, I wonder if I'm going to be in this one. And (laughs) like randomly you'd have some clip and I'd see all of our members and I loved it. And I was like, this kid, like he could, and I, I didn't realize how, how much Craig Ritchie had inspired you at that point. And I just came on to him recently. Yeah. He's Um, blown up huge. Yeah. Oh my God. Congrats. The dude's doing phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, you know, the vlogging and that storytelling in first person with a video camera, that's the definition of vlogging, right? First person storytelling yeah. with a video camera mm-hmm. um, is such an art. And, it, you know, guys like Casey Neistat and Life with Louie and all these guys have kind of just paved the way for this entire thing. It, it's, so, it's so cool. And I'm really glad to be fortunate enough to have a business like the gym that runs itself so mm-hmm. I can play, you know – pretend little video camera time and like go shoot content and just like I get an idea and I just up and leave and go fucking shoot yeah. something you know but it's it's the way of the future I mean th- yeah. like
0: YouTube I would say that people watch more hours of YouTube than they do I mean maybe not Netflix or HBO yeah. but definitely just standard TV uh, me like no one the only TV thing anymore. we watch
1: all my daughter watches she watches YouTube we have like an entire all her channels subscribed yeah. to that she watches and Netflix yeah that's and then that's it and then me and my wife will watch like HBO go yeah. like that's but that is it yeah like well, I, I couldn't tell you one person that we has still a pay cable for cable su- I mean, yeah, oh, we have a direct well, TV one subscription one. and I, but we still have it I, I tell her every time like, we need to cancel yeah. this shit the only reason is for like football or something yeah yeah. And I can't um, even watch because the Browns aren't even on it so I can't, can't <laughs> even
0: fucking watch it <laughs> they might be good this year mm-hmm. um, alright so let's go ahead and, uh, I want to draw one more or I want to ask one more question and it kind of relates to like your passion with all this, right? Yeah. So fitness, obviously huge part of your life. It's everything that you do since you, you know, you were a skinny yeah. ginger in, in Cleveland. Um, and I just want to know what sort, you know, what passion does it ignite within you, whether it be helping gym owners or helping your clients of your gym
1: yeah,
0: or anything like that, you know, what,
1: what, well, Fitness for me, my interest. So people think like when you are a gym owner, you work out all the time. Mm-hmm. I might work out three days a week. Like I am not the fittest version of myself I've ever been. I yeah. am probably one of the. I mean, I am not not fit, but I am definitely not the fittest version of myself. And at this stage of my life, I have other passions and and you know, there is only twenty four units in a day, and a lot of that goes towards what the fuck gym talk and my family and all this other stuff. But I've been able to surround myself like Deuce. I'll use an example. Deuce loves the programming side. So for me and him to sit down and. Um, and, li- and like, yeah, you that- can even see some of the notes that we've had in here. We really geek out on this whole thing. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Deuce is Stu's head coach at, at the Correct, junior. yeah. He's our assistant general manager, he head coach. He does all the programming, uh, which is programming, uh, not like what Chris does now with Salesforce. Programming would be the creation of the workouts. Yeah, sorry, um, and the sorry si- to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. The science <laughs> of the workouts. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's – I mean that is where the passion for fitness is now is what are cool ways – and because I'm creating a model with Urban Movement that will be franchisable, it's also creating ways that are replicate. Not just a cool workout, but how could I do this in a 3,500-square-foot building that a future franchisee is going to own with only this kind of equipment? We have this entire – like we have a huge gym, and we only utilize half of it, and it's crazy because you look over and you're like, there's an entire another 3,500 square feet on that floor to use, and yeah. I won't let my team use it. They literally have to work in this one section because that's gonna be the size of the franchisable locations for Urban Movement. Yeah. So it's it's like problem. Like I look at fitness now as problem solving. I know the problem. If you want to get a pull up, I know how to do that. If you want to lose 20 pounds, I know how to do that. Fitness to me now is playing a little bit more of a game of Tetris and chess on the operational capacity side from a business perspective, and then Deuce is able to play. The how do I help them lose the 20 pounds and get the pull up on the micro level of the coach and the the client relationship? So Mm -hmm. I'm able to play up here macro for the empire that's going to be urban movement. He's able to play down there more on the macro and the mezzo. And it's just cool to be a part of that and watch that from afar. Because I used to be the guy that would write workouts and I'd be thinking, okay, how can I make sure, how can I create a muscle up? I remember that, remember the chest to bar progression I wrote for you guys? Yeah. That chest to bar progression was awesome and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And That used to get me off. Like that was my thing, like creating things that would make people better, certain movement. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a little bit zoomed out. But I still have just as much passion. I love seeing the end result, even though I'm thinking about the business numbers and the operational capacity at the top, watching Deuce manifest into a great workout. Because I take our group classes. That's the only fitness I do. I take our group classes and then I experience them like, man, that was a great one. You know, like, yeah. good job, dude. Yeah. Like, I had this clouds idea. Deuce got it dirty, and he got it into the ground level, the dirt, and then the trenches. And it just, it's a really cool thing when a plan comes together.
0: Yeah, so it seems your passion now is kind of allowing people under
1: you to grow and yeah. prosper yeah, and then also obviously your business, you yeah. want to see that and grow. I want guys like Deuce that program workouts, not just like, okay, well how am I going to get someone the best pull-ups that's important, but I also want them to think of it from a business perspective too, yeah. you know, like how are we going to maximize the floor? How are we going to maximize the equipment? How can we give someone a great workout and still give them a good pulling capacity and all this other stuff. So, um, but yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely kind of how that passion has evolved. Um, but all, a, all this byproduct of how fitness has completely changed my life.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I got one more question, just because I think you're a subject matter expert on this. Okay. How do you see fitness evolving in the future from where we are today? Obviously, we have CrossFit, we have Orange Theory, we have all yeah. these little boutique fitnesses, and I think it's easy to say that Globo Gyms are kind of They're a dying all,
1: breed. Um, the, a little bit from a business model of having the huge footprint. Yeah, you know, but the ones that are able to be well financed in a high enough density area, and then can offer all these boutique spots inside. And they can t- they can cater to the people who need daycare and like like the y- the Dow YMCA will always beat me um, from a membership perspective if you need somewhere for your kid to be watched because I sure. don't offer that right so those global gyms still have it but if you know like here in Charlotte the Gold's Gym just went out of business yeah and they percent, just shut down yeah yeah um, those footprints are just less financially viable just kind of like Nordstroms and Belk and Dillard's are not gonna go out of business from competition within each other. They're gonna go out of business because of the 10,000 Instagram and Etsy stores that are taking away 1% of the market share. Yeah. So I think fitness is gonna get more boutique into what I call this micro gym industry, You know, uh, a smaller footprint that is way more profitable and scalable. What about virtual? And so that's my other thing. I think digital is going to become a big one. And I think Peloton is just the very beginning of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing beginning. Have you guys who ever ran on a Peloton or been on the bike, they are just top notch. I want to buy one for the house, the bike, or the uh, the treadmill. I think it's amazing. Now right, get, get Zwift. Yeah. <laughs> get what? Know, have you heard of Zwift?
0: No. Is Zwift, like just the thing that sits on the floor. It just like- So Zwift is pretty much Peloton, but- different. All right. So let me, let me explain. So Peloton, right. You're with a class, yep. you're taking whatever. Yeah. Zwift is virtual riding. So you have a little dude that's yeah. riding a bike on your screen and you have your real bike connected to a trainer. Okay. Yeah. That also connects via Bluetooth to your c- computer so that the trainer can add resistance Cool. Where it, where yeah, the, as if you're going up a hill and if, all kinds of yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. on the course, right, your little dude's going up a hill, it'll say five percent grade, yeah, yeah, and the trainer, the trainer will then tighten up and tighten yep. up, and you gotta, you know, fight against shift resistance, it, shift yeah. gears, and do that. And my argument of why Zwift is so much better than Peloton is because if you're going to spend two grand on a Peloton bike, sure, you can instead spend two grand on a really nice road bike, sure, get a trainer. And get Zwift and then you can ride
1: inside and, and outside. outside. Correct. That's but the my people argument. that are gonna get Peloton. They don't, they're not, in they don't door, like, right yeah, outside. like a cyclist like you looks at Peloton and is like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. But like uh, the mom who's busy and she just has, she has a two year old and she's a lawyer and she doesn't have time to drive to the other side of town. She can only fit in that workout while her kid's sleeping or whatever. Yeah. That that's who they're targeting. But mm-hmm. so like that digital experience, now I think the, the social ability, we're never gonna lose that. Like I don't think when VR really hits mainstream that bars and clubs are gonna go out of business. Yeah. Um, just like I don't think as digital gets bigger in the fitness space, Gyms are going to get out of business because whenever you bring a bunch of people together, that community factor is an absolute intangible that cannot be beat digitally. True. Um, If that was the case, uh, Facebook and Instagram are so evolved. If that was the case, we'd all just sit at home and see what everyone's doing, right? Like, but what makes what makes Instagram and Facebook so interesting is watching other people doing other things that are not Facebook and Instagram. When you're on Facebook and Instagram, you are looking at someone doing something that is not being on their phone. You watch them live life, do this, check out this backflips, check out this scene from last night's game, look at me at this new restaurant. They are living life. So this just becomes a window into watching other people live life. And I think fitness, the digital aspect of it, is going to, um, in big cities, uh, and especially possibly there's a recession and things like that, I think you'll see an uptick on it. And I think it'll be a revenue stream. It will be a model. I don't think it's going to take over. Um, I think there'll be a purge. There's way, 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 way too many micro gyms right now. The fact that there's 15,000 CrossFit affiliates, when the purge happens due to a recession or whatever it may be, I think realistically, I think across the world, 15,000. Mm-hmm. There's 15,000 now, and, and we're talking mainland China and all that isn't even a factor, like Asia and all that hasn't even blown up. Yeah. Like when that happens, there'll be 35,000. Yeah. And I think, that is an, I think that's too many, and I think when the purge happens, we'll lose a bunch of them, which I think is necessary. But um, yeah, no, I think brick and mortar isn't going anywhere. I just think now you have to really compete. You have to really create a client experience that makes someone want to leave their house to come see you. Because yep. it's kind of, eh, I could do this at home. They'll do it at home, yeah. and there is an app and a digital experience. The mirror—have you seen the mirror? I have. The mirror or tonal? These amazing HydroFit. HydroFit is like a, a badass concept to a rower with a Tesla-like iPad on it. Yeah, and they're—they're they're starting even like the VR goggles. Yeah. They're starting to do workouts on I that. I know, I know. So I think I'm super excited. <laughs> I think I'll be 50. So I'm 33 right now. I bet you I'm 50 by the time it really, really takes place. Like yeah. really takes because this stuff happens so slow. It's so much slower than we anticipate. Mm-hmm. Like for this, I mean, it's not going to happen in five years. I don't think it's going to happen in ten. I think it's going to be a much slower development. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you I know, would agree. Yeah,
1: yeah but uh, but I am excited. You're right. I think digital will be the next frontier, but it will not repl- completely replace the old frontier. Yeah, I agree. People All right, still guys. send paper letter mail. <laughs> People still go to mailboxes and drop in mail. Like, does that not blow your mind? Like yeah. with technology, the people still send paper mail. Like, again, this stuff doesn't re- – technology yeah. doesn't replace shit as much as everyone Yeah, when it. you
0: buy a new house, you get so many random offers and stuff. And yeah. I'm like,
1: guys, just email me. Yeah, just email
0: me. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, this has, been, uh, this has been awesome, Stu. And it's just been really awesome to be a part of you know a lot of things that you talked about and see this firsthand. Yeah. Um, but overall, it's just been great to hear how fitness has changed your life.
1: Yeah, that's and why I, I've got you in my life. Had I, maybe if I'd never taken that job in Charlotte, and you know all this other you stuff, you wouldn't like, have a wife, maybe. You know, exactly, just so much. Ha- and again, but going back to the root of this and the, the basis of this podcast being fitness has changed my life. It's more than just looking better in a bathing suit and not breathing as heavily when you go up the stairs. It can literally change the trajectory of your life, just like just like anything else. Missing the bus and having to take the second one where you meet your wife on that second bus, like everything like, you know, the fucking butterfly effect, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. But Yeah, I think
0: it's easy to overlook too, right? Because you can go throughout your whole day. And you're doing what you're doing and you don't
1: really realize how you got there. And what and I love about your podcast and I hope people get out of it when they listen to it is, you know, we're not sitting here and talking about like, well, okay, but what can you do now fitness wise? It's not about the performance metrics. Yeah. It's not about all that. It's about how it has enriched every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. For me, it was business and career. And even my wife, she was a client. I mean, we didn't even get into that. My wife was a fucking client. Yeah. like we can get into that. Real uh, quick, if you want. I mean, like if that, I mean the story. Same story that's with a, me, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anna Lee, one hundred percent. She was your PT client. All right,
0: yeah. so so real quick, how. You just mentioned, right? Your yeah, yeah. your current wife and your wife to be for a very long time, is uh, it, not is she was one of your clients at the gym. Yeah. So how
1: did that all come when you own a gym and like together? you said, I work there. I'm, I work all the time. Yeah. You don't, you know, and this is before Bumble and Tinder and shit like that. You don't, you don't get out like. You can't like be like, hey, you want to go on a date, but the gym closes at eight uh, thirty, so I got to go and shower, I'll I'll let be there my dog 10. I'll be there at ten. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. So all my relationships all came from the gym, yeah. and they were people I, I met there. And um, obviously, they they maybe are uh, impressed by your work ethic, or they understand at least this is what he does. I get it. Like mm-hmm. that, they, you they share similar values. So just much, just very much like you and Annalie. Um But it's uh, yeah, man. It's one of those things where uh, f- you know. Going back just to, as we were wrapping this up, this podcast and I think the stories you're going to get in here are just going to be so encompassing to the other 359 degrees that fitness impacts your life minus your ability of to do work capacity across broad time and modal domains. Yeah. you know the definition of fitness. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, working out
0: is great in the moment, but it it, it changes yeah. so much other things than just your your composition of your body and stuff. Hundred yeah. percent yeah so i'm I'm excited to you know obviously un, un, un unravel those stories with other people but yep. today we got to hear Stuart Brower's stories and how fitness has changed his life and I just want to say thank you for being on the podcast thank you for having spending me, man. your time it's with an me honor yeah it was great and uh looking forward to you know everything that you have going for you seeing seeing the franchise kick off and everything you know the consulting business all that stuff it's just been awesome to see and I want You know, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Keep growing. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for being a part of it. Yeah, no problem. Um, So, this has been episode two with uh, Stuart Brower of How Fitness Changed My Life. uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. And I want to thank you guys for listening. And we'll, we'll see you guys later. Rock and roll.